0: A few things I want to point out as we get started today. The first one is that last week, our first week here at Swordbearer Chapel, was Veterans Day weekend, and that resulted in a few things. One was a message specifically developed reflecting the occasion, and the next is that it means it was both longer than my typical message and also, while developed from the text, it was not focused exclusively on the gospel text. It was developed to speak to the occasion. This week is much more of what I would consider a standard sermon or homily of mine. With that in mind, my goal is to provide an explanation of the setting, to give you a bit of the who, what, where, and why of the gospel passage read. And then, more crucially, the reason why the text still speaks to our situation in life today. Let us take a look or a closer look at the gospel appointed for this morning. And in this passage, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and a crowd of other followers that were there in the temple. And we're nearing the end of Jesus's earthly ministry. And over the next few chapters, You'll read about the Last Supper, the betrayal, the crucifixion, burial, and resurrection. And Jesus, at this point, knows that his days on earth are numbered, and he begins to prepare his disciples and the followers for his end on earth. But more than just his own end, Jesus is preparing his disciples and his followers for the suffering that they are going to endure. Now here's why it's important to understand the who, what, where, when, and why. Jesus is talking to those around them about things that would happen to them. The passage, especially in modern Western culture, Christianity, is typically read as a prophetic passage, a look of things to come someday, eventually, in the future, at a point that we cannot know. And with that mindset, there's a gentle nod that maybe it could happen in our lifetime, but we really think that those horrible days are way out there in the future, and we will almost certainly be spared. And this does everybody a disservice. First, what Jesus explained would happen to those who were there listening happened to those who were there listening. In 870, that's A.D. not 18. In A.D. 70, the Romans desecrated the temple in Jerusalem and tore it apart, stone by stone, just as Jesus said would happen. Their purpose was to remove the gold inside. Throughout the Roman Empire, Christians were persecuted and killed. Friends and family members informed on each other, resulting in arrest and martyrdom of untold number of Christians. Under Emperor Nero Claudius Caesar, more commonly known just as Nero, Christians were tied to posts, covered in oil and tar, and burned at night to light the streets of Rome. These Christians, burned alive, became known as the candlesticks of Christianity, and a name now given to fireworks, Roman candles. Jesus is talking to those who is around them, around Him, talking to them about what happened to them. When Jesus tells the people that are around Him, this is what you're going to experience, they experienced it in their lifetime. The first reason that this is important is fairly simple. We need to recognize that these events have happened. It's not a comment about what will happen at a future date. And the second reason is a little bit more complicated, and that is more from the who, what, where, why, when to the here and the now as to why it's important to us today. Nothing is recorded in the Bible just for the people who were there. By recording what Jesus said, Luke extends that message to every generation that comes thereafter. Luke wants you to know that Christians can, and they do, suffer. Let me repeat that. Christians can, and they do, suffer. And that is an unpopular message today. We like messages of health and wealth and prosperity so common on television and from so many pulpits all across the country. I challenge you to find a hymn written since the 1930s, probably since even earlier, that speaks of suffering. Hymns used to be, It Is Well With My Soul, 1873, about sorrow and grief. The Faith of Our Fathers, 1849, about being imprisoned and killed for the faith. Christian, do you see them, the late 600s, maybe early 700s, about how demons are constantly striving against us, constantly trying to provoke us. And my favorite of all of the Advent hymns, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, in the 12th century, sings the lament we face on earth and our hope, and the future return of Christ. Now, I'm not trying to say that all old hymns were laments and sorrowful. There was plenty which were joyful and happy. It's just that they were mixed. There was representation of equal. Those that were about suffering were written, and they took their rightful place upon those that were finding joy. Today, we only have the happy hymns and praise choruses being written. And this does us, the here and now, a disservice. It leaves us unprepared for when something goes wrong in our lives. It denies what Jesus tells us will happen in our lives. People will lie about being from Christ. People will lie about being truly His representative. Wars of all types will occur. Natural disasters and man-made disasters. We will all face sickness, illness, injury, and death some more extensively than others. All around the world today, people are martyred for the faith. And although we do not hear about it in the news, this era that we are currently living in is the peak of Christian martyrdom in the entire history of the church. Christians can, and they do, suffer. Now, if that is all there was to this message, it would be a pretty depressing reality. But it's not the end. Jesus promises that even in death, we live. Not a hair of your head will perish. But you notice that came like four or five verses after, and some of you will even be put to death. Not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. And in this passage, the word used for life is psychos. Which is more commonly understood as the soul. In your endurance, you save your soul. We can, even in times that seem dark and overwhelming, take those promises of Christ that no matter how bad, we will not perish. No matter how severe the situation, our endurance will cause our salvation. And when we see that event in our life, which seems dark, which seems overwhelming, we can sing with King David, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has done, dealt bountifully with me. And again later, Again with David, God sent from on high. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. God rescued me from the strong enemy and from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. They confronted me on the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. God brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. And what does it mean for you and me? We cannot stop the reality of human suffering. but We cannot stop the reality that Christians, as part of that humanity, can and do suffer. But we can, and we must embrace the truth that God's love for us is steadfast, God gives us His salvation, God deals bountifully with us, God rescues us, God supports us, and all of this because God delights in us. And for that, even in times of suffering, we can take joy and sing a happy hymn. Amen.